Hello, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the best podcast about Survivor that's ever been created in this entire world. It's called Mike White Was Robbed. I'm Naomi Calhoun, the host of Mike White Was Robbed, and this is a podcast all about Survivor takes that probably piss off everybody else you know that likes Survivor and would probably get you downvoted to hell on Reddit. But we have these takes anyway because every opinion matters. And today, I'm here with my friend and yours, Jack Miller. Jack, how are you? Hi, everyone. I am doing pretty well. Uh, it's a little rainy here, but, you know, I'm making do. I'm covered with a roof, so that's nice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to introduce myself on these sort of things. Uh, I'm covered with a roof. That's We love to hear it. And, Jack, what hot take have you brought for us to devour today? So I am here to talk about how The Edge of Extinction is one of the best seasons of Survivor. Right off the bat. It's a big wow. But I can't wait to sort of dissect this because I have to say uh, this is one of the seasons. Obviously, it happened pretty recently. I am pretty I remember watching a lot of it in person with people. So uh, I'm particularly excited to talk about this season. Um, yeah. So, you know, this take is insane and I can't wait to figure out if I buy it or I don't buy it. But where do you want to start? What where do you want to start in this journey of explanation? So I think the easiest place to start is the beginning. I had been planned. I had an idea that I was going to watch the entire season before getting on the show, and I didn't get <laughs> quite there. The last one I watched was it was like two or three votes into the merge. Mm-hmm. So I do have I took I did watch the whole thing and like took notes during the pre-merge, uh, and I have like three or four pages of notes of just stuff from the opening. So. I guess we start from the beginning. Very beginning. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Okay. So, uh, I guess kind of the beginning idea is they all come together and they have Jeff gives his monologue about what it means to come back from the edge of extinction. Uh, and I had some part of my notes was the idea that, you know, lately Jeff has been saying like Survivor is a game for the players, and I think that the whole concept of the edge is a very player-driven thing. It's something for their experience more so than than for, you know, somebody watching the show. Right. That kind of makes sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of that sort of being, you know, Survivor is a game for the players is a very player-driven thing. If you watch the season as this is an experience that these 14, 18 people are doing, uh, I think you can view it less so as, you know, a very game-driven, strategy-driven and something more character-driven, experiential experimental mm-hmm. is that that's the word i'm landing on yes i was gonna say experimental but then that i was like no that's not right yes right. it's the experience it's the experience so i think it's a very experience driven season which is different than what we get nowadays i think in the older seasons in the old school survivor it was very this is a experience of a lifetime sort of angle and it's been driven more into this is strategy and all of these sort of things and there's definitely a lot of that in this season as well uh, but I think it was cool to start just from the get-go of this is an experience. This is the way that I think you have to frame the season when you're watching it to truly understand it. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I, this feels like one of the first Survivor seasons that's really just been like a constant, like, it sucks to be out here. <laughs> like, there's no real joy. You know, there's so many 
seasons were like they go on a helicopter ride and it's beautiful in fiji and we love it here and this is the first season that is like this sucks ass and i hate it and i wish i would go home but i can't give up yeah that's incredible very driven it seems like every episode on the edge of extinction whoever just got set to the edge of extinction gets to have a segment uh like i was just watching it it was eric's and it was i keep looking at that flag and I keep thinking I'm going to quit, but like, this is an experience that I need to, to make it through to show that I have more grit than I thought I did. And everybody kind of gets to give that monologue in some way, shape or form this season. Yeah. Not, not, not to jump way ahead and get ourselves out of line, but I think that's actually the best part of the, the episode where Rick Devins gets back into the game where they have their returning, like they all return and then they all, all the EOE players think they're going home and Jeff sort of milks them for like one last, like, you know, emotional turmoil speech. And then he's like, so you guys want to go back? (laughs) And they're all just like, absolutely. (laughs) And then two of them end up not staying for much longer. They, I think the term that they used was buyer's remorse. (laughs) Uh, And somebody's, I think it was Aubrey's confessional. It's, yeah, I'll talk about that more. I think that's the funniest fucking edit. If, like, this whole season is full of funny edits, but that one might be the funniest one. It's like, commercial break. All right, they want to quit. Never mind. <laughs> and they make it, like, it's a beautifully shot quit. They, like, have, like, a drone flying around the flag, and it looks gorgeous as they're, they're raising the flag, and everyone else is watching and sort of crying a little bit, seeing their uh, extinction mates. Right. They're all, everybody's crying this whole season long and it never stops. And it's all sandy tears. Like everybody's got sand on their face and those close ups. Right. Just wipe your face. Got that was something I had in my notes was the, the cinematography of this season is, I think, really top notch. It, it's always really good on Survivor, but I think this season they were willing to take a little bit more risks with the, the cinematography and the editing and the construction of the show. You know, there's flashbacks and flash forward kind of uh, edits where they're pulling back and saying, I went through and I found this idol or I went through and I did this. Right. And the, the close up cinematography that they do in Extinction Confessionals. So I, I, I agree. I think the cinematography we can, we'll definitely touch more on later. It's really a different change of pace. I don't know if people notice that or not because sometimes I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and then I see like really dumb things posted on the survivor reddit and I'm like oh people really aren't paying attention to anything um but to start off I think a great place to start off is talking about this cast and the one thing for me so I think on my first the rewatching of it I agree with the notion that it's actually not as bad of a season as people remember it to be if that makes sense that does, and I would. I, I think a lot of people have in their heads like Edge of Extinction, bad twist, bad season, right. and it's really more more complex than that. Yes, and and I think where it starts off very successful is its cast. I don't think every player is like a shining star, and you know, obviously there's edits and and whatever. But I think what I would change about the season is I would not include returning players. It's. I completely agree it's unless the returning players had more of an extinction story because to me the only person who like possibly has it is maybe aubrey or david like i don't know to me to have you know two people who are at the final four one person who made it to the final three slash final five like 
the, these are like not uh, underdog extinction stories to me. And I don't think they need the returning players. I think they have great survivor stories. I think David has a good, I grew from this experience. I think Kelly Wentworth has a, I grew from this experience. Aubrey has, I grew from this experience. I don't know if Joe grew very much in Worlds Apart, but he's a fan favorite. People would watch. Uh, Joe, I, got I to, think... Joe got to bring his dad on Survivor. What more could you want? Oh, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> he really grew up. Yeah, that is incredibly true. But it is one of those sort of, it felt a little hackneyed to say, and we have four returning players and we're going to try to make it sound like these players are coming back from the edge of extinction. And that's why this season is called Survivor, the Edge of Extinction. Uh, I don't know. who If you could pick four, who would they be? I haven't thought about this, so I don't have a prepared answer. Well, so what I had written down in my notes was, um, this season would be great without returning players. Who are four players from season 39 that could have been on this season instead because I think that if there was anybody who was likely to be on this season instead it would be the players from 39 right and I was just kind of sitting there like who would I want to see on this season said because you got to replace two men and two women I actually think Karishma would be really interesting on this season and maybe someone like Janet, because I think uh, I think Reem gets really screwed by just being an older woman. By being the only older woman. Right. And, and just on a... I also think what, what would actually really improve uh, these casts overall is if you put Wardog and, like, swapped, like, Wardog and, like, Gavin or Wardog and Eric or just something to, like put like one inept person on comma because i do think the they just kind of run through it yeah just just comma not ever losing is so frustrating in a from a viewer standpoint because we don't get to learn anything about them yeah i am of the opinion that seasons are stronger when at the merge nobody is lighting their torch for the first time yes i i would concur greatly on that and i think that's probably, um, I don't want to say the biggest weakness of the, the season because it's not, but I think it's the biggest, when people like uh, Julia rightfully complain that like she doesn't really have an edit, it's like, yeah, you don't. Sorry, your tribe never fucking lost. Like, <laughs> and then yeah. they freaked out on each other. Yeah, I'm just looking at the... Uh... Like, the only comma to go pre-merge, like, original comma was Aubrey. Yep. And that was just because of, of swap logic. Yeah, and then one of the best moves of the game is, is Victoria, Gavin, and Eric taking her out, I think, rightfully so. Yes. Maybe, okay. I think Jamal might be an interesting put on this season. Maybe even Vince. Like, Jamal, Karishma, Vince... I think Molly could be because I think this this cast has a lot of really really young people like Keith is 19 Wendy's 25 Julia's 25 right Lauren's uh, 21 Lauren's 21 Victoria's 23 Gavin is 23 Chris is 25 for Christ's sake like there's a lot of people who are just like in their 20s on this season and I think what this season actually benefit would benefit from greatly are more just like people that are 30 or even 40 
Right. Well, there are one, two, three, four people who are in their 40s on this season, which is surprising now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's like, it's such a wild range, but I would like, I would much rather see returning players who have only played once. So like David Wright is appealing, but like to pick Kelly, Aubrey, and Joe, who are all like in their third plus season is absurd. Right. It's it, it felt as though they they either weren't confident about their cast and said who can we call or and they should have been because these are 14 really good numbers that so they ran out of spots and said let's cut it at 14 and try something. Yeah, yeah, exactly like if like in in my mind I think imagining seeing somebody like even Jack or somebody who might relate to Joe more. Like these people who um would connect to this cast and be a, a completely new face would be way more interesting than just watching like, cause we see the majority of the story for Kelly and Dave and Aubrey and Joe is I'm a returning player and I don't want them to vote me out. And that's and basically what happens. Yeah. And I guess the other thing is like when you see the, the three come in for Philippines, it's only three of them, right? It's not like a crazy majority, but four is like a pretty good number if they can get yeah. on the same page. And so it's much more intimidating having that fourth person. So, yeah, I was completely on board when they said we're going to start getting rid of cuz that was a lot of the opening was like let's get rid of returning players. And I think that's how all of the all the captain seasons sort of go is let's get rid of returning players. This was also the first captain season to have I guess co-captains where they put two on each group. Yes. Which is interesting. I I <sighs> I, I I almost kind of would have preferred like someone kind of douchey and arrogant like an Aussie or a coach that just like pisses everybody off than people like Kelly and David who just kind of like struggle in challenges and make pretty expected moves and play pretty well but like Kelly doesn't play her idol devastating like it, it's just such a mess in a lot of these situations that I think I would have rather have seen somebody who like would be very grating on the senses than to see somebody like Kelly or David essentially slip in like the rankings in our minds, right? I think right. I think no returning player comes out of this looking good. No, I don't think so either. I think at best they come out as neutral. I think Joe doesn't gain anything outside of I'm a physical threat and I'm the provider and I'm the obvious vote the first time I lose individual immunity. Exactly. So... What I will say on the opposite side of this is I think this cast is some of the best characters that we've seen in several seasons. Obviously, everybody talks about 37 and that's great. But I do think that like I have I have my list of favorite characters. <laughs> Here's a list of characters that I love. And then, Jack, you know, give yourself a second. Tell me yours. But I love Julie. I love Ron, Wendy, Reem, Keith and Victoria. I think are exceptional survivor characters and Aurora right. to an extent, but we didn't see enough of her, but like exceptional survivor characters. Right. I would say my list is similar to that. I would put, uh, I would put Chris on my list and I would put War Dog on my list. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed watching War Dog. He wasn't, he wasn't the best player, but he was, he was an entertaining enough character. And I think we talked about how we were going to, we were going to talk about War Dog. Oh, we're going to talk about War Dog. Well, yes. So I think 
I actually, I don't know how you feel about this. I, I know a lot of people are fans of Rick Devins, and I have nothing against Rick Devins, but I think Rick Devins was given to us a lot like Dominic in 36, where right. it's just like, okay, we get it. Rick Devins is funny, he's charming, and he's probably going to win, but he doesn't win. And it almost became sort of like, well, I like him as a character, but I am much more compelled by someone like Julie who, like, Julie is a really interesting character. I feel like people don't, like, this New York City mom who, like, (laughs) is a toy maker. Like, insane. What kind of person is that? It's just, like, such a shame that we don't see uh, Kama go to tribal council early and possibly, like, blindside Joe and Aubrey because that would be fucking killer. And we'd get more time with characters like Julie and and Ron Clark, (laughs) who is an insane person. (laughs) Ron Clark really makes this season. I have to say, I don't. I think if Ron Clark was not on this season, it, it would. I don't. I, I wouldn't buy your uh, your opinion as much. Yeah, I wrote down one of the first things that I wrote down was like Ron Clark comma dance, where he like oh. orchestrates a whole dance for them to do. Uh, Ron Clark is comma in my in my mind. That is the comma energy. Oh uh, man. I don't know about you, I would hate to be on a tribe with Ron Clark just because I could not possibly get him to like me that much. Because I would just yeah. be like, fuck this, I don't want to do this. I would, I don't think I could match his energy. I think I could maybe align with it. But I I would not be able to do the, we're going to be doing a dance, anything. I'd maybe play along and then roll my eyes uh, when he wasn't looking. The other thing I was thinking about is just, this is a great cast and we have a lot of great stories. And we have, we, we even have people like, you know, War Dog is like a lawyer. He's like, I'm going to be a lawyer, but I was also in the military. But then you have like Aurora is a divorce lawyer. And like, <laughs> I, I, I really do like a lot of these characters. Like Wendy is such an insane character and an insane find. And it's actually kind of a shame that she doesn't, uh, that Wendy is actually like not as good at Survivor as you want her to be because she is like one of the best characters of like the modern season. Yeah, Wendy is bad at Survivor the game, but good at Survivor the TV show. <laughs> so, but uh, yes, Wendy is one of the best characters of the of the 30s of Survivor. I'm not saying she is the best because that is somebody else in this cast, but she is one of the best. And for her to have like it's I actually think it's really interesting she she never has one of those stories that I think we see sometimes in Survivor where it's like oh I have this sort of I don't want to say it's a disability but so she has Tourette's and she, I have this sort of thing that occurs in my daily life that people might judge me for or find to be off-putting and it never comes up again and I actually think it's a big step in Survivor to not make it sort of like a hero's journey of Wendy versus her Tourette's in any way. Right. It comes up once in the beginning of just like, oh, yeah, this is the thing that I have. And then I think the only other time it comes up is during the, the Edge Return Challenge, where she is reacting to it while trying to concentrate on the, the same puzzle. Yeah, exactly. And so and <laughs> And so that really makes her less of like the the... I guess Survivor loves to, like, make somebody a hero if they 
like if they have any sort of disability that they've decided to put on the show and wendy is just beyond that wendy's like no no, no i'm gonna go let the chickens loose don't worry about any like i'm not gonna talk about my threats i'm gonna go fucking save three chickens holy crap it, it, uh, <laughs> you couldn't have written a better fucking scene in survivor she's gonna release the chickens and then the, the other tribe there's like a moment after the swap where they're talking and they're, like, getting to know Wendy. And they're like, wow, Wendy's pretty cool. And they're like, well, let's go eat a chicken. And they cut to Wendy and her face just drops. Oh, yeah. She she looks like she's about to, like, like throw the the rice on the fire. She, I, I have to say, I think this season also has incredible comedic edits. Yes. This is a comedy season more so than, like, a drama season or a strategy season. Yeah, I think if anybody watches this season back, watches EOE back, if you watch it for like the just the comedy of it, like you know, like Keith climbing the mountain and be like, "This ain't, this isn't for Chris. This isn't for Reem. This isn't for Rick Devins." And then just Chris pushes him over and gets it. It's like incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like who who does that? Who? Oh man! Like the just the absolute like. EOE has this great mix of people being like, we're going to be civilized, right, guys? And then absolutely nobody being civilized. Yeah, there's a, I think it's the episode that Aubrey goes. They have the, I think it was the clue where it was in the water and Reem points it out and Keith grabs it and they have a huge fight about it. Yes. Uh, where like Reem's like, I didn't give it to you. I didn't give you the reward. Uh, I, I would have found it. And she's, like, getting mad, and Keith is getting mad, and I think they have an Aubrey confession. Like, it's this dysfunctional family on extinction where everyone's just kind of mad at each other the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it could have gone a lot worse in terms of that direction. I think it's just the right amount of antagonism and camaraderie. Because uh, when they mm-hmm. announced this, I thought it was going to be like, oh, everyone's going to be, like, trying to make everybody as miserable as possible to raise the flag and it's not that at all right i i that that would be funny if you it's kind of like in a in a big brother way where you're trying to torture someone and get them to quit but right i was thinking of it as like uh stranded with a million dollars i don't know if you if you watched that i've never ever seen or heard of that what the absolute fuck is that it was on mtv like for one season and they put a bunch of people on like an island or in the woods or something, and they said, here's a million dollars cash. The game is transporting the million dollars from, like, checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint. And if you want to buy things to make your time more comfortable, you can, but we'll deduct them from your prize money. And what it turned into was, like, a majority who said, we can control all of the decision-making on what we buy, and we're going to make everybody who's not in our majority quit because at the end, everybody who made it to the end split whatever money was left. Yeah, I'm looking it up now, and God, I hope this is on CBS All Access, because I want to watch this. <laughs> oh my! I watched God. one or two of them and mostly followed along uh, as it aired, because I'm like, that sounds like an interesting show, but maybe I don't want to watch that level of negativity week to week. Yeah, it seems like a real like like uh, emotional waterboarding in a lot of ways. Right. <laughs> um. The, the other thing I wanted to say is, so what I think is actually one of the best storylines of this whole season is the Reem and Chris, I don't know what to call it, like the Reem and Chris hatred, like the, the Reem and Chris, like you're not my mom energy because 
Chris and Reem, they talk about it also post-game a lot. Like, they fought like crazy. And they actually, uh, when Keith gets the advantage, Chris is, like, picking on Reem for not getting it. And she's just like, dude, I fucking hate you. It's incredible. Um, and if if this show had focused just, like, a tiny bit more, it, it's hard because you probably would have given away that... Um, this is going to happen and that Chris is going to come back. But like the, just the sort of relationship where Reem votes for Chris in the end. And like the, this whole sort of EOE underdog status thing is, uh, is actually, I think the best storyline of the whole season, not like, you know, Rick Devin's doing whatever is fine, but like Reem and Chris fighting like dogs being the first three people voted out and then like voting for one of them to win is an insane story. <laughs> What I almost wish had happened at some point this season is they had done maybe somewhere in the merge, like a flipped episode where the only things we see of people still in the game are like the immunity challenge and the tribal council and everything else is what's going on with the edge of extinction. Mm. Cause I think that's where the true story of the season would be. Uh, and you only get that in little bits and pieces and scenes of how much grit and determination you have and, seeing them react to each other in the in the when they're in the jury absolutely and okay so while i i will say reem is the best survivor character that we've had in a long time 100 percent the best reem is incredible everything she says doesn't feel forced she feels natural but she's also insane this is a woman who says dude all the time but I also think that this cast has some real duds on it that make me, like, I yes, every cast has duds on it, but, like, I think this has a very boring merge in some ways. It, it is exciting, but it's also boring. I don't really know yeah. how to articulate it fully, but I, I remember watching the merge and just being like, I don't care who wins when, when it was happening. So... Well- Part of that, I think, is because it's so obviously telegraphed that Rick Devins is the only person that matters. Yes. So what? What? So here's here's who I'm going to call the duds. No offense to them or their families or their their personal lives. Well, of uh, Eric is a dud. Agreed. I think um, Keith is just a tiny dud. He's very very funny, but he's he's not good at the survivor. I think you could have found somebody who has like Keith has so much to him, but he's like not good at survivor. Um, Yeah. He was having trouble with the very beginning of it. And then once he actually started to play edge of extinction games, it turned into a whole, how do I phrase this? He, he, he gamed hard in the edge of extinction thing, but came across negatively to the people he was playing with. Right. It wasn't the balance of playing a game and still being a social person. I think if Keith had been on the show two years later, because he's eight, he's, he's, is he eight? He's 19 years old. Like, just give him, like, two more years to, like, live on his own and, you know, be an adult, and I think he'll be a lot better. Yeah, I think and it I think was the, too early for him. Yeah, I think the biggest dud for me is Gavin. I could not care less about Gavin. <laughs> Gavin's uh, best contribution to the show uh, is his shirt. Exactly. Just Gavin being like, oh, I'm going to get married. It's like, bro, 
okay, we get it. Like you have a girlfriend, we get it. Like nothing. Right. I, I, I think maybe it's also partially because as I get older, the less, the less I'm sort of, uh, entranced by like romance on TV. I'm always like, yeah. Ugh, gross, get out of here. <laughs> I get that. So I think those three duds in particular, and that like really it's just the two of them. And I would say Joe is a bit of a dud as well anyways. Right. But that's just kind of the way he plays. He plays a very physical game. Right. And then everyone's like, oh, he's a physical player target. <laughs> I think what's worse about it is that like the comp- the the dud combo of like Gavin, Eric, and Joe are all on the same tribe. Right. And they're on the tribe who never goes to tribal council. And so it's just like, it's so boring where not only do they have like an incredible amount of control in the game, but then like they swap and they take out Aud- Aubrey and that's a good move. But like, right. then they take out Wendy and then I, I can't tell you what their journeys were in the merge except for Gavin. That's only because he made it to the end. Right. Gavin's journey was to the end. Uh, I think I just watched Eric go home and that was pretty by the books uh and it wasn't even really so this is another thing that i have in my notes the swap was not even really a swap as much as it was a tribe dissolving and one person leaving it insane swap yes it was the craziest swap which i thought was kind of neat from a like a statistic standpoint and from an almost like old school this is a season really without a swap type of and even like the last tribal wasn't even a, a tribal it was a joint tribal it was a joint tribal where everybody realized that, like, yeah, we can just vote out Wendy. It's fine. Right. We don't want to go to rocks for Wendy. I think I like that you talk about statistics because you know who else cares about statistics of this swap? It's War Dog. Yes. <laughs> the okay, we'll talk about War Dog. I I love to hate War Dog, and it's funny. I actually think War Dog has a huge edit in like the first four to five episodes war dog has like an incredibly large edit and at first i was like well i fucking hate this guy why do i want to watch him and then i realized it's like oh because he's a dumbass and they want to show us that he's a dumbass i think that's kind of where my love for war dog comes is in that this is the kind of person he is and it's a little bit put on but then he's like done with strategy uh his challenge for there's a moment where he's like i think it's like a beanbag throwing challenge where you throw there's one where you throw beanbags at like a propeller to get the propeller to spin right and he's just missing every single one and i think lauren says like damn it war dog and it's my favorite favorite two word phrase of the season i i yes i agree i think like lauren being frustrated with war dog is hilarious and then Wardog sucking really bad. And then, like, Kelly just, like, having to sort of... I think what I actually hated about this season, which in retrospect is, is completely fine, is that Kelly hated working with Wardog, and I always wanted her to bail on him. I always wanted her to just, like, fucking vote him out who cares about Wardog. And to see him get the drop on her is, like, so frustrating. Even though he goes out right after it. Like, you just want to see Wardog, like... You just want to see Kelly Wentworth, like, kick his teeth in, you know? Just say I'm done and do something about it. Exactly. It's, like, such a shame. We want to see more people getting beat up on Survivor. I want to see Kelly Wentworth and Lauren O'Connell just punch War Dog in the face. You know, for, for entertainment. 
<laughs> so anyways, um, <laughs> I think you can tell that while I was watching, that's all I was thinking about while I was watching it. I was like, oh man, I hope someone kicks War Dog's ass. Um, so anyways, let's talk about a couple other incredible things about this season. Jack, what, what else do you love about this season that maybe other people are missing that might be proof that EOE is actually a very good season? So the other things that I have on here, the I thought the Edge of Extinction like puzzles were very interesting, mm-hmm. where they had like the folding maps. Uh, I thought were a cool sort of challenge aspect. As someone who likes to watch the show and see the challenges, to give them that style of of thing to do, even though it did feel like oh we just need to give them something to do, having that kind of puzzle figure. And the first time they do it, it's like even a comedy thing. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, well, before we go, like, we may as well just have our rice first. So they're all, like, eating their, their rice, and then I think someone runs off, and then it turns into a whole Yes. Keith, Keith running off is incredible, because you're like, oh, you know, okay, they're going to be fair about this, so we're going to play it fair, and then Keith takes off, and you're like, yes, let's fight! Right. It's not fair. They're actually playing. Oh, my God. So that one was a highlight for me. Uh, I think that this was the first, like modern when i use the term live tribal i mean it in the sense of like nobody respecting the tribal decorum and just going off on it right this is the first really live tribal of that sense where it just erupts into everybody openly talking to each other and physically yelling i'm jumping ship and leaving and moving to go talk to other people i this this episode was really like hyped up at the time and i did not get to watch it back in time i also did not get to that one I do think that one of them, Julie, again, just goes to show that she's such an interesting character because she, Julie plays this incredibly emotional game, which gets her no votes in the end, but she, she plays an emotional game where she says, I'm going to keep Rick Devins in. I'm going to protect Rick Devins. She says, I'm, you know, Julia, I'm sick of you. And I think to be fair to Julie, she's probably right. I bet she knows that she's on the bottom and she says, fuck it. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Like. You got to respect that she's like, you know what? I don't care what you have to say or do. I know that you suck. I'm out. Yeah. And doing it like as a physical tribal entertainment thing. Uh, I don't remember where I read that somebody said tribal is theater. Yes. Uh, but I think that's true more than ever this season where, you know, Rick Devins is doing his Rick Devinsy stunts and people are yelling things out. It's a very... Uh, theatrical season in tri- and especially since they have the giant jury audience right everybody on the jury the giant jury audience <sighs> this is another let's say demerit for me like and, and it sucks because on one hand reem yes on the other hand i think in like a i guess in a fair game edge of extinction should stop at the merge yes but in another life, I think that the Edge of Extinction, everybody who lost pre-merge should have gone home, and everybody who lost post-merge should have gone to EOE. I think it's this weird thing where, like, the jury and essentially the EOE trips have so much power that Chris is able to wield quite expertly, but it's just so much. Like, to, to keep track of all these people and not being able to forget, like, anybody except Keith and Wendy is insane right so i land maybe a little bit differently on that i kind of like everybody makes the jury Uh i think there are 
aspects to it that are, you know, you favor the people you know, and if you're someone like Reem, who's spent the entire game on the edge of extinction and not spoken to most of the people right. who are currently in the game, I think that's a problem. But I also think that modern survivor juries are always leaning towards what happens right at the start of the merge anyway. Uh-huh. Interesting. You want to talk me through that more? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, oh, I, I can kind of put it plainly. Mike White was robbed. Mike White uh, was robbed. He played, in the end, uh, a stronger end game, whereas Nick was doing big flashy moves right at the get of the merge. Mm. That was the big one for me. It was like, oh, maybe this is a pattern. Like, here it's kind of a pattern. Uh, oh, here it's not really a pattern. This is a completely different thing. But I think... That's something that I kind of noticed after, after David versus Goliath of like, you know, the jury, most of the people in the jury are going to be seeing the first couple of merge votes, and then they're going to be seeing everything else from the jury bench. Right. So I think that's more indicative of a bigger issue than it is with this. I think the idea of saying, you know, if you're going to live on an island for 36 days, you can be a part of the vote. If you're a part of this experience, you can be a part of the vote. Maybe there's more... Uh, opportunity that should be introduced or some way of sort of adding in the people who are only playing three days only know the people they play those three days with and are going to be more attuned to vote for them but I also think that's just part of the nature of the jury you're going to vote for people who either you liked or you respected their game based on what you saw when you were playing it with them and what you saw in essentially a theater performance yeah and I have to say I think any other season if we look at like 36 or 37 even I think to an extent like think about the other seasons that have pre-existed before this or even like EOE or not EOE IOI god damn it um like I would not want any of them to be like the 17 person jury of like winners at war or whatever you know like that those casts to me don't have the sort of interesting elements of this jury because what we do see is Gavin in the end is really like begging Kama to vote for him. Right. <laughs> and then everybody kind of makes their own choice. It's really fascinating. It is. I'm, I'm looking at the IOI cast now to see like, what would that have been like? Who would have Ronnie voted for in the end? Man, Ronnie, I was like, oh, cool. Like a Jewish guy in Survivor. And I drafted him like first to my team. <laughs> I lost my IOI Fantasy League so hard, it's not even funny. I, I did not do IOI Fantasy. Uh, my first fantasy was Winners at War, and I picked Tony, and people thought I was nuts. Wow. And how much money did you rake in? I don't think we were... If we were playing for money, they never paid me back. <laughs> but that was also one where, like, we, we drafted and, like, stopped talking about it. And every once in a while, we were like, oh, let's just, like, check back in. It's funny, my, my draft is the opposite, where we just check in to be like, haha, you suck. Okay, that's enough. Right. That's pretty much how I do, like, any fantasy. Like, I'm in fantasy football right now. Yes. I drafted a team, and I just go in every week, and I'm like, you're not playing this week, so I'm going to swap you in. And then I check, like, twice and send some trash talk to whoever I was playing against. Exactly. Fantasy teams are just strictly for trash talk, and, like, anybody who says any different. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. You're wrong. It's just to yeah. talk shit with Statistics your friends. Statistics and trash talk. Absolutely. Okay. There's there's something else I wanted to talk about, which is uh, one of the best players on this season 
which who gets overhyped on Reddit a lot. We understand this. We know this. But she's good anyways. It's Victoria. Victoria yes. is really fucking good. She's from the Bronx. She, I don't know. That's all I know about her. But she's from the Bronx. And she, uh, she'll cut a bitch. Like Aubrey. So, when I look at this season and I'm like, oh, is it good? Is it bad? I have to say I actually think I prefer it uh, over a season like 36. Over a season like 30 or maybe even to an extent 32, 33. Because it is a really interesting group of people who actually make... like, Like, coming off of South Pacific and you see people just like following Ozzy. The fact that they are like, nah, fuck it. We're going to vote out the returning players is actually super interesting. The problem is just that like the edit makes it so the returning players are the narrators and then you get sad that you're losing your narrators. Right. Whereas if they pinned, if it was a whole different thing, would have been, would have been different. Yeah. Victoria, I thought was very impressive. The whole, whole game. Victoria's impressive. Ron Clark. Oh, oh yes. Another thing about Ron Clark, Ron Clark being this like incredibly inspirational teacher, you know, Ron Clark is just like crazy inspirational, right? The fact that he's like a snake in the grass is fucking hilarious. You know, there's a a scene he wins the wins the family visit and he's with his partner and he's just talking about like I'm being like full on. I don't remember his phrasing, but he has a conversation with his partner that's just like I'm playing a snake and like they all trust me, but like I'm gonna go after them. Uh, exactly. I thought that was really fascinating. Like this is who this person is in real life. Is this inspirational? person doing these dances getting everybody and then having this but in survivor i'm this completely different person and that's okay because that's what the game is it it really like i do think that ron was the person i was rooting for the most because ron was like crazy but also i knew that he was i always knew that he was like gonna get voted out you know because they would say oh yeah we gotta, we gotta get rid of him. He, he's just too, um, just too much of a personality. It's interesting. Like he's too personable to make it that far. But I'm wondering if he would have gotten like chewed out at final tribal council for just being kind of a, kind of a wacky dickhead. <laughs> right. I, I think I could assume that. Uh, and I do think the, uh, we can talk about this when we talk about the finale, because uh, I have a lot to say about the finale. Oh, please. Yeah, I think this is the best finale uh, of many seasons. This might be the most fun I've had watching a Survivor finale that I can remember. Yeah. I was watching the Edge of Extinction finale. I was, like, cheering at my TV. It was great. I have to say, uh, I remember watching this also at a bar, and, like, there, there is nothing funnier than when somebody comes back from Edge of Extinction. I think... I think what I actually love about Edge of Extinction is it's such a producer's sort of pet to bring back Joe, right? Or bring back somebody like Tyson or Boston Rob and what is it war? And instead, like, the early boot, like, count them out people make it back in, and it is so funny. It is incredible. Every aspect of that, and I think that goes back into... This is an experience season with comedy to have this experience of I was voted out third 
I defeat the odds and beat Joe, which is hilarious in the beginning, because watching that, you're like, oh, it's it's obviously going to be Joe who comes back. And then it's not even the we need to get out Chris. Chris just kind of maneuvers his way and wins a few things. He games fire-making at the very end, which I thought was amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just you watch this sort of pre-made notion where you're like, oh, like what's going to happen is like, someone's going to come back and then go right home or someone's going to come back and do this. And instead it's just the series of the dominoes being set up and not knocking over in order to create the regular domino thing, but falling apart in such a way that all of the dominoes are knocked over. They're just, it's not the, the route you were expecting it to take. Did, does that metaphor land? I think so. I, I, I hope it does. <laughs> I really think you're right in that like, the, to game the fire-making twist, because that's a twist that I, I resent strongly. Um, I am not a fan either. I, I think to game it, to take out the biggest confessional giver of the season, is fucking hilarious. To game the idol that he has in his bag is hilarious. To get somebody else to play his idol on him is hilarious. Like Chris, Chris manages to do all of these insane things that is so funny to see somebody do that is only possible if you have like so much information on the edge of extinction and you just like Chris really like it's almost like he like drink he downs like a whole bottle of vodka and just like walks into camp you know right and then just plays crazy survivor for four days (laughs) he's like all right I got six days to play survivor let me make the most of it and just runs with it and there is there is something to be said about I have the entire jury who I've been living on an island with who have said whoever makes it back, these are the things you need to do. And when people are voted out, they come back and say, man, this is the people who are running it. And it's the whole Ponderosa with the returnee that just happens on an island where everyone's starving and there's a flag. Everyone's starving and there's a flag and that's it. I mean, that's literally it. And occasionally a puzzle. uh, I, I do think also like when you look at, obviously every season of, survivor is like themed like also down to like the the art and the production design um because that's just how tv is but this season is like based on like bones and dinosaurs and dragons and like phoenixes and it's really funny if i went on survivor and like i had an ominous name like you know the dance with the devil i'd be looking at every single puzzle and you know Whatever aspect to get that clue. Yes, because because you see uh, on one of the challenges I watched, um, I think it's the challenge that sends Devin's home. The puzzle has a phoenix on it. And like that tells you all you need to know. Like they're going extinct and then they're going to come back from the ashes. Like I would be paranoid on Survivor. I'd be looking at every little product, like every little design to be like, what is going on here? Try to get some sort of, like, visual clue as to what's going on. And we can kind of, you know, aspect that out further. Ghost Island had, you know, in there, their visuals. All of those were ghosts and whatnot. And even with, like, the ones that... Because that's kind of the new trend now, is it seems like a season is either named after the the composition of the tribes or the composition of the twist, where it's a, a ghost island or an island of the idols or an edge of extinction, or it's... Uh, something like a like a heroes healers hustlers, where you're like, oh, it's obviously how we're split, or 
there's some other aspect that's coming into play here. Heroes, healers, hustlers. I'm trying to think of like what an absurd twist would be on a healer. Like you're all going to have to walk over coals and then heal yourselves and you'll be a healer and a hustler and a hero. Right. First tribe <laughs> to bandage their feet after running over coals. <laughs> you win. Peanut butter and jelly yeah. sandwiches. And only one of you will be playing the challenge. It's a hero challenge. Yes, ex exactly. Yeah. Now that I've like mentioned Ghost Island, I had this in my notes a while ago. While this season was airing, I like it, it was. I don't know how to start with this one. It was around the time that Fortnite was getting popular, and there was like all of this talk about like Fortnite is this one map that's constantly evolving. And I'm like, yeah, if Survivor's gonna stay in Fiji, then maybe it needs to be like a Fortnite type thing where. They have the ghost island and the edge of extinction and whatever new island comes up. And it's just when you go, you're going into this one map with all of these different pop-up islands. And that's what the game sort of evolves into is you go to this one central location where there's all these different elements and new elements will show up. Or maybe this week will, we're going to knock down, I, I can't name any of the Fortnite locations, the Tilted Towers? Uh, look, right. you're, I'm the wrong person to ask. Even... Even my boyfriend doesn't play Fortnite. Like, I don't know. I played, like, a couple of games of Fortnite as soon as it came out on the Nintendo Switch. Because I was like, yeah, I should see what the hype is about. And I played, like, one game, and, like, a 12-year-old was, like, very upset with how bad I was at it. It was, like, very upset. Because it was one of those, like, survival games where it was, like, whoever makes it to the end, like, all you need to do is, like, grab the token and you win. And, like, I could not for the life of me figure out how to do it. And I was, like, right by the token like continually trying to get it and the kids like you can do it we can still win this and then 30 minutes later is like i'm so done with this and then i think i i think that game ended with me falling down from the platform that i was trying to use to get the token and dying of injury because i broke all of my bones after that fall um, the dumbest Fortnite game i've ever and after that i was like yeah i can't top this see this is how i feel about um among us because i'm i'm worried about I haven't played Among Us, and I'm worried that I'd be so bad at it that my friends would make fun of me. Right. I, I've been playing it with a couple of people, and any time I play it with somebody for the first time, I just say, we're going to do a game where we just talk through the whole thing. And then once you figure out, like, oh, it's just Mafia with little micro games, yeah. it falls into place. Okay. I, I'm just worried that ever like, I, so I, shout out to, uh, Puya and all the everyone doing the sort of Among Us live streams, um, it, it seems like people are so like up the butt of like, you know, why did you do this and that and that? I'm like, oh my god, I don't even know where anything is, and I feel like that would never be a good excuse, and I just die like a thousand times. Right. Yeah. The first time that I played, and I was playing in like it was an online group where I knew four of the people playing, and then we put in five randoms, and they're all like, where are you? And I'm, where were you when you found the body? And I'm like. I'm in the room with the this near the there. And since I was playing with people who were like, oh, yeah, it's like obvious that like you don't know what you're doing. Right. That was at least a little bit better where I could at least say over the phone, folks, I don't know what I'm doing. It's the room with this. And they're like, oh, did you mean like security? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, what were you doing in security? That's pretty sus. And spinning it on me again anyway. Right. Like, I'm, I'm too scared. I can't emotionally right now. I cannot take people calling me suspicious. <laughs> But, like, at least Fortnite is, like, at least Among Us isn't, like, 12-year-olds berating you. 
Right. I, I felt like I was at my lowest as a 12-year-old was calling out how bad I was at Fortnite. <laughs> oh, man. So, Jack, I'm, I'm, I'm like half convinced. And I, I say that because I still don't like love this season. When I walk away from it, I think it's hilarious. I think the way that everything is sort of worked out is, is funny. And I think I walk away from it not loving it. So what, what should people be paying attention to about EOE that would make them love it? Like what, how, how do I get to your level? So I think the, the key to getting it, uh, at least my keys to getting it have been figuring out that it's about the experience of Edge of Extinction, not necessarily Edge of Extinction as a game twist, more of Edge of Extinction as a, a place you can go right. and learn about yourself. If you view it as a comedy season, and honestly, if I were to tell people like what episode of Edge of Extinction to watch, I'd be like, just watch like the first episode, first two, so you like know what the Edge of Extinction is and what it's like, and then the returning challenge where you can see everybody coming back and then just skip to the finale. If you, if you watch it like that, of like, it's a season where they've set it up in a way where it's this sort of crazy twist that breaks the game and the result of the game breaking is it falls apart in a funny way, I think is a really a good sort of frame of mind to have. Watch all of these people have an experience where they learn about how much grit they have in a game that's kind of like Survivor that falls apart at the end. I have to say, I do think the EOE return is one of the best moments of the whole season. And the emotion you just feel with that and, and the emotion when everybody's sort of like, hey, you get to go back. Right. Is like a very powerful Survivor moment that I don't think a lot of seasons actually have. I know. Because it's a lot of Survivor is very, I'm here to play the game. I'm here to, but it's straight away from, I'm here to learn about what I can handle and what kind of aspects of me against the elements. It's more me against the other players now. And I think to be able to harp on the, no, it is me against the elements and have that be a major theme is a powerful thing that this season can take advantage of. E-O-E. Dynamite. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I think I always had that thought in my head and I never vocalized it. Um... Yeah. I'm hoping in the next season is like AOA, so we can keep doing this because we had EOE and then IOI. Yeah. The UOU. What is A of A? Altar of. It is the Archipelago. Altar of Admission. The Archipelago of Advantages. (laughs) Several miniature islands, each with their own unique advantage that you can go to. (laughs) Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna get like a ghost island advantage, you have to cross the archipelago and not fall in the water. That's exactly it. Oh it reminds God. me of when they used to have, like, Exile Island would be the puzzle to get the idol would involve, like, crossing the ocean, like, six different times. <laughs> oh, man. That was, that shit was fucked up. I wish they would do that more. Like, I, I love it when the idol took hard. Or not EOE. In Winners at War, where, like, they would be like, all right, you're going to go get a log 20 times. Uh, I loved that episode. That was really good TV. It, it's not, there's a difference between, like, good TV, Edge of Extinction, and like pure survivor game. Right. And I think I, if given the choice between the two of them, I'd rather have a pure survivor game and a TV show that like is not as good, but it's a really pure game. But on the other hand, I'm watching a TV show. If I can get like that kind of emotional moment, I'm going to take it. Right. Who do you think is your favorite? Is your favorite character Wardog? Do you think? 
from the season? Honestly, I, I would. I, I want to say my favorite character is Chris Underwood, just because of those last four episodes. Mm. But I don't think Chris Underwood has a very strong story mm. all the way through. He's like the challenge beast that they turn on, and then he has a couple of provider moments on the edge and fights, and then makes it to the end. Right. I would say War Dog, or Rick Depps, even. He's over the top, but I liked the shtick. I yeah, I, I agree. I think I think actually I enjoy Rick Devins until he does his news anchor voice. Like I know that people kinda love that shtick, but I that's like when he gets voted out and he says that, that's like one of the saddest things I've ever seen. Like like the you know, Bart say it again, Bart. Like it's so yeah. It's so sad. It was funny until it wasn't, and then it really wasn't funny. Exactly. So I think, like, he, he just got milked a little too hard. Where do you rank EOE amongst your seasons? Like, is it in your top five? Is it in your top ten? What? How crazy are you getting? Let me get a top list. I would definitely put it in my top ten. Mm. Mm-hmm. I do not think it goes in my top five. I think once you get to that kind of number, maybe it lands at, like, six or seven. Okay. Because I enjoyed watching Edge of Extinction, and I think when you're when you're ultimately ranking your seasons, it's not what has the purest game, what has the best characters. It's what did I have the most fun watching? And I think, and EOE's in a tough one because it was right after David versus Goliath, which is a really good season. And I think it's going to have, I think it's going to grow in people's appreciations once they can get past, like, oh, it's not pure Survivor in the same way that people have been kind of reassessing their thoughts of uh, South Pacific a little bit. I, I, yeah, as a rewatcher of South Pacific, it's a season that both sucks and is fucking hilarious, and it's tough to balance the two. Right. I would say that Edge of Extinction is, is, is pretty similar to that, only in that it, it's tough. It, it, it's tough to watch all of it and say, yeah, this is like a perfect season of Survivor, but there are so many positives to it that really up the sort of value, like Reem just existing. Right, Reem existing and getting to watch Reem the entire season, not just having one episode of Reem where she gets on the wrong side of the numbers, her tribe says, we don't like you, and then she's upset. Ugh, ugh. If Reem had just gone first and we'd never see her again, I actually think I actually think Reddit doesn't like to talk about Reem for second chances because we saw so much of her. But right. if Reem had just gone, I think we would see a lot more. People are like, "Oh, Lauren O'Connell for second chances." I mean, friend of the show, Michael J. Clark predicted on last episode that she would be the next winner of Survivor, hmm. which is insane. An insane, an insane call to predict that there's going to be a returner's player season soon and that she's going to win it. But okay. Yeah. I imagine whenever they do second chances, second, second chances, uh, fourth chance, fourth chances where it's second squared. Yeah, two squared. Yeah. Some level of whenever returning players come back, I think there are more people from this season who will who will be asked or be floated around. Yes. Than, than what people are maybe expecting. And I think when that happens, people are going to be like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm on board with with this season once people start to, you know, appear again without the context of the twist and the format and all of the other things going on. I would really like to see Aurora come back. Aurora and Ron Clark are my, like, big two. I think because Ron Clark is insane, 
And I think because Aurora has a really interesting story and in a different situation, because she's basically just on the outs of her tribe the whole time. Um, I think Aurora in a different situation or a situation where she can find an idol or might have more control would be really compelling. I agree. I thought Aurora, and I think we mentioned this, is a little bit under understated in this season. Yeah. But I really liked any any Aurora time that we got. I mean, the first confessional we get from Aurora is that she's like, I love Joe, and I'm gay. Like, incredible. Incredible character. Right. And, like, that's all you need to know at the beginning. But then I feel like you don't get a lot more. You get some grit aspects to it. Yes. Later down the line. But it's not, I, I want more of that. Yes. I, yes. I would like more Aurora. Like Ron Clark, I feel like if he ever came back, would play like a Tony in Game Changers game. Yeah. Where it would just be <laughs> full on. Let's not pretend anything's different here. Right. I'm going to go run down the beach. Bye. Oh, that was so, I'm not here to talk Game Changers, but that's a favorite moment of just like, yeah, let's go. All right. Let's vote him out. So. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we kind of begin to wrap things up? I I have my hot take of the week, but I, I, I wanted to know if you had any other secret hot takes within the hot take. I think I've covered all of them. Uh, anything that I had in my notes, I've either brought up or... Oh, the typography of the season. This is the best season for typography. Wow. The fonts. Yeah, I love talking about fonts and the lettering they use in this season with the, the Edge of Extinction uh, font uh, that's on all the letters, all the notes, everything, I think is a really striking, uh, striking font. I really, I, I cannot think of another season that had a font that I appreciated more. What, what, something that is actually fucking fantastic is on the Survivor Wiki. It will tell you what the fonts are if it knows it. It'll say, like, the primary font used for this season is whatever. And I will go and try and find those fonts, but none of them really work well for Survivor visuals, unless you're, like, really going for the aesthetic. But, like, they all exist online, and you can download them. I, I just looked it up. The font for Edge of Extinction is Yozakura. It's, it's a pretty good font. It's very dramatic. Yeah, it has, like, a nice... Uh, they call it from brushfonts.com, where you can get it. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to plug brushfonts.com. I plug uh, I plug dafont.com. I think I the, the font links me to brushfonts.com, and you know you gotta you gotta attribute your primary sources. <laughs> yeah. you can. I just like Survivor font talk. Like let's let's talk about it. All right, uh, going playing to type. <laughs> you should. I I wonder what Danny thinks of the Survivor fonts. Danny, big would, font guy. I would love to know. Know his font opinions. Danny has so many fonts opinions. Just ask him. Okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to reach out. I love talking about. I I watched a presentation in high school, and when I was in high school, we had like a, uh, like a video call every week for every class that we were in, right. where all the different schools, like each unit, would be taught by like a different person. So everyone would take turns teaching different lessons. And when it wasn't your home site teaching it, you just sort of watched it and took notes and right. you could call in. And I was watching one presentation, and I was so mad about the fonts they were using. I was, like, vocally livid about, like, the kerning was bad, the space. I was mad, and people were, people still bring it up, like, Jack is the only person I know who cares about kerning. <laughs> I'm like, but it's true. You recognize those things, and as soon as they're pointed out to you, it's all you can see. I love, I think I, I actually think a lot about Survivor fonts now that I have to put them into things. 
And so right. when I see uh, the choices other people make, like um, something I love that Survivor Maryland does is they, they had the font sort of race across the screen and the font looks a little more like crumbly and old. And I kind of love that. Uh, our, our, the fonts I use are always very clean, always a stroke, outer stroke and drop shadow. There you go. That's the way to do it. That, that's what gets it done. That's the graphics. That's the key. If anyone's making survivor graphics. I'm in my first online game right now. So I've been noticing graphics because those are the things that like you have to find stuff in. Org. I have to really admire org people who like make crazy graphics because they do a really good job. I know. I am just, I've started adding myself to all the different org groups because now I'm hooked. Oh, and yeah. like just seeing all of the different like themes and graphics and because it's not all just like people can theme it around anything because it's an online game. You know, I won, I, I've played a couple orgs. I won one and I said, I'm never playing one again. That's a good, go out, go out with a bang. Exactly. I, I'm never letting my legacy be up for question. Yeah. I, I got to win one first. Okay. This one's going okay. Knock on wood. All right. Knock on wood. Yeah. Oh boy. I really hope that didn't jinx it and I'm not going to go home. <laughs> Look, if you have an idol, if, if there's anything EOE is taught us, it's, if you have an idol, fucking play it. Yes. That is my biggest piece of advice uh, I can give anybody playing any of these games. Idols are meant to be played, so play them. The worst, it's better to play an idol and not have any votes taken away, but still be in the game than to go home with an idol. So what, uh, what I just wanted to say for anybody who's, who's doubting is uh, Mike White was robbed. He should have won. Played of a superior course. social game. I'm also going to just confirm because I'm pretty sure Mike White got no votes against him. but I just uh, Or no, he got two at least because he went to fire. No, I don't know. Mike White had exactly one vote cast against him. Now, did both Nick and Kara also technically had zero votes cast against them? But Mike White also had uh, only one vote cast against them. Is this the season with the most zero votes? Because B quit, Pat's out, and then uh, Kara and Nick have no votes cast against them. I, I'm pulling that up. Uh, I'm on uh, my favorite Survivor Statistics website, uh, True Dork Times. I actually, I know someone at work, and like we got into a Survivor conversation because I brought up True Dork Times. That's funny. And they're like, oh, I didn't know this site existed. I love Survivor. And I'm like, oh, we're going to talk more. Somebody made, like, a great statistics spreadsheet about, like, survivor jobs that I read once and, like... That's fascinating. ...how things work. And and it was like, oh, construction workers do really well. It was, like, it was very detailed and interesting. And, like, what states people do well from. That's a really cool data analysis. I want to see that now. I'm curious if... I don't know how many uh, software developers have played Survivor. Uh, I think the closest person to my job is Yule. <laughs> so that's a pretty good record. Yule! <laughs> Survivor Reddit memes. My favorite trend every once in a while is just to find like a Yule thread on Reddit and just add a Yule in there. Uh, I'm, ex I'm excited for the Yule Tide season to come. Boo! All right, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> thank you so much, Jack. It was yeah, really Thank nice. you for having me. It was a really good time. Okay. We're, I'm, I quit. I'm out. <laughs> Guys, uh, Jack, do you want anyone to follow you on social media ever in your life? Uh, I, my social media, if you can find it, good on you. Great. Yeah. Same to me. I think mine's going to be in the description. So just do that. Um, and most importantly, please subscribe on the internet. I'm not really going to check subscriber numbers, but it's a great way for you to hear the podcast. So yeah. do. I mean, how else do you know when there's a new one? Exactly. 
Um, and eventually I'm going to record my solo episode. I didn't do enough research, so I didn't feel like doing it. Solo episode coming soon. Uh, College Survivor is better than most of the recent Survivor seasons. Oh, I would agree with that take. All right. Well, sorry. It's a solo episode. Don't even chime in. Don't even. Well, I can't wait to get my my podcast subscription app to beep to tell me that I'm ready to listen to it. (laughs) What's your favorite College Survivor, Jack? Oh, man. Uh, I, I guess in terms of the schools that they represent, I think UVA because oh. uh, I'm a Virginia boy. Yes. Uh, I, I mean, you got to go with the classic of Survivor Maryland. Survivor Maryland, shout out to them, but shout out to Genki and Survivor UVA, which has a really great season airing right now, and so does Maryland, and Michigan just wrapped their insane season, but I'll talk about that more when the time comes. So, everybody, good night and good luck. Uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Bye! Bye!